what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. For organizations looking to enhance their customer relationships, this is Stepping Up Service. Hello and welcome to Stepping Up Service here on TheMesh.TV. My name is Alan Jackson with Biveris. We are a patient and a healthcare employee satisfaction survey firm uh, that is working with a variety of organizations on gauging their customer service experience and satisfaction with their experiences. And with me, my co-host, Ed Gagnon with Customer Service Solutions. Ed, how are you doing today? Doing great. How's it going, Alan? It's going great. It's going really, really great. And uh, glad to have Ed with us here today, his company, Customer Service Solutions. You can learn more about his work at on the website at cssamerica.com. So that is the letter CSS followed by the full word america.com. A great resource for finding out what Ed and his company are doing to help organizations improve and elevate their customer service culture and organization mindset. So this show that we get together for, we do this about once a month. We talk about the world of customer service, how it's evolving, where are some challenges, where are some opportunities to really see our organizations grow and strengthen their customer service culture. And uh, we'll get into the first topic here in just a moment that we're going to talk about today, the idea of customer service being the new marketing. I'm excited to hear Ed's thoughts on, on this topic and just from the title alone. Before we get into that, though, just a couple quick notes to remind you of. Uh, you are listening to a podcast that's made available here for free on TheMesh.TV. This is an online resource of podcasts and audio and video programs that are available for you to come and view or listen, as well as to download or subscribe to. And the idea behind a podcast is that you can pick a show that you like, much like a TV show with a DVR to record it and play back whenever you'd like. Uh, we put out episodes on a regular basis. You can uh, subscribe to those shows and make sure that the latest episodes are delivered right to you via your uh, cell phone, your mobile phone, your iPad, your tablet, computer, laptop, whatever it may be. Any device with an internet connection can subscribe to the podcast using certain software to uh, listen to those podcasts or watch the video ones. So for more information, make sure you visit TheMesh.TV and see everything about not only this show, Stepping Up Service, but also the other shows we have available on the network for your listening pleasure. So, Ed, today's topic, customer service is the new marketing. Now, I studied marketing pretty extensively back in college, and that was kind Uh of my, yeah, that was kind of my (laughs) personal passion side of business. I I fancy myself a very low-level marketer, um, not at all what somebody who's full-time in the profession would do, but enough to be dangerous, I guess. Okay. So, the title of this episode got me intrigued, obviously, because I love the word marketing in general. But when I hear the word marketing, I don't think it's always as synonymous with customer service. So when you tell me the title that we're going to talk about, customer service is the new marketing, I'm really intrigued by this. So where are we going with this conversation? What can I expect over the next 30, 30, 40 minutes or so here? Yeah, well, that's interesting that that word marketing is so exciting and intriguing to you, Alan. So. Yes, and the words customer service are not always exciting and intriguing to people. So, oh, no, Ed, uh, our show is always exciting and intriguing. So I dare, say, I dare say customer service is just a, a, a really, really hot buzzword on everybody's lips, uh, just as much as marketing is. So don't downplay they're, they're, our customer service now. So 
Yes, good good point. Uh-huh. Well, uh, the, the reason why this topic is uh, resonates so much with me, you know, over time, uh, as well as researching customer service, trying to stay on top of the latest trends and you know, trying to be a strategist for my clients on, on trends in the customer experience and, and serving and retaining their clients. Uh, we also look at marketing. We also look at sales trends, et cetera. And it's interesting going on the Internet and looking at the latest uh, initiatives that uh, these so-called sales and marketing experts come up with relating to their industry. And after reading several of them, I would read these and it would seem like it was a uh, repackaged form of customer service or client relationship development that these marketers were talking about. And it's almost to the point where many marketers are now trying to claim customer service is really marketing. And uh, that, you know, in a way that can be a good thing for customer service people, people who are in an industry, in a role where their job is to serve and retain their clients. And, and I think all this kind of started when the economy went bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, we noticed this in the pro sports sector around the, the turn of the century where uh, you used to have marketers and sales reps who could go out there and they were constantly trying to ring the bell, bring in new clients and there was a constant backlog of, of customers just clamoring for their product or their service or in sports to get those season tickets. But when the economy went bad and people uh, really had to think about their disposable income and really had to tighten their, their, their budget belts a little bit, all of a sudden the sales and marketers were, were losing that backlog of clients just dying for their product, dying for their service, dying for that form of entertainment. And so they had to start generating revenue, generating leads and realize that, you know, there's not just this never ending pipeline of prospects. A lot of what long term sustainability comes from is retaining and growing with who you have. I think marketing marketing has really latched on to that in the last 10 to 15 years, that that part of their focus is now not just on prospecting, not just on advertising, but really retaining and growing who you have. And mm. kind of like they say, the NFL is a copycat league. I'm starting to think that marketing is a copycat profession mm-hmm. uh, because a lot of these marketing initiatives that, that have uh, been developed over the last 10 or 15 years are really co-opting a lot of the ideas and, and trends and principles and uh, different initiatives that customer services had going on for, for decades. So we're going to talk about four examples in particular uh, where uh, in my mind, marketing has really co-opted customer service ideas, repackaged them a little bit, uh, and presented them as a new marketing strategy. When in effect, it, what they're recommending is just examples of really, really good customer service and client retention. That's just like those marketers to take all the heavy yes. lifting and hard work that we're doing over here on the customer service side and just take it and use it and, and help to inflate their known numbers. So I see how it is. Uh, yes. In all seriousness, of course, in an organization, everything really fits together. So yes. I'm sure we'll probably talk a little later about how this is all a good thing, you know, but I'd love to hear some of those examples. I'd love to kind of get a better feel for what it is you're, you're kind of explaining to us. I get the concept, but I think the examples might be really helpful here. So yeah. uh, do you want to go ahead and kind of walk through some of those? Yeah, the first one is called drip marketing. So before okay. I get in and define drip marketing, um, have you ever heard of that phrase, Alan? And if so, what does drip marketing mean? I have. And if I'm if I'm thinking about it in the same terms that, that you are or maybe the industry is, it's this idea of that it's constant contact with a potential client or maybe a current client. You know, I, I hear this a lot with email marketing, with constantly kind of getting something, I guess the idea is you drip it to them, almost like a water dripping out of a faucet. It's just constant con- yes. connections and constant contact with them. Is that is that right? 
Yep, yep, that's excellent. And uh, it's funny that you talked about constant contact. That is actually a tool that some companies use, the constant contact, not to plug that for email communications as well. Um, but basically, yes, that's it. Drip marketing over time, what you're doing, and this is best planned over about a 12-month period, you're periodically touching the client with messaging or with requests for information that will hopefully eventually deepen relations, uh, potentially retaining sales. You're kind of putting yourself in the position of being an educator. You're constantly building awareness of the customer and building interest in, in the mind and the heart of the customer on an ongoing basis. So some of the principles involved with these drips, you know, the strip marketing, are you want to never let the relationship go stale. You know, never have those okay. long periods of time where there's no touch. You, you want to look at customer communications a little bit more strategically. What's the goal of these communications? Uh, what do you need to know by when to, to share this information? What do they, the customer, need to know by when? Uh, there's sometimes a relationship development component to it. So that's what drip marketing is. Okay. Now, when we look at it from the mm -hmm. customer service standpoint, to us, this is part of customer relationship development. Uh, this is what we call touch point planning. Mm. So we use this term a lot. Uh, we were recently, a couple months ago, we're with a major uh, SEC uh, football school doing touch point planning workshops uh, for this particular university because they've done hundreds of millions of dollars in renovations to their stadium and practice facilities. They've expanded uh, the number of seats they have available for season ticket holders. They're wanting to go from 30 to 45,000 season ticket seats sold wow. on average for every game. Yeah. Uh, and one of the ways that we're working with them to do that is to create these touch point plans where you're literally in a very strategic way touching uh, the uh, customers with one of three types of touches or either doing that marketing or you're providing some information of value, how to get to the stadium, what services are provided, how to navigate the traffic, you know, who's your account rep or you're the third type of touch, and we've talked about this particular uh, aspect of the approach in other podcasts, but where you're trying to pull information from the client. Mm -hmm. So uh, you're doing that so you better know them and can better meet their unique needs. So this idea of drip marketing in a lot of ways is a repackaging uh, of client relations touchpoint planning. So the idea with this is that from a marketing perspective, you're using it to, you know, continuously keep the customer engaged with what you're doing, what's happening, uh, you know, uh, new services, new offerings, whatever it may be. But obviously, we've been using in the customer service world to kind of keep that client uh, connected to us and always let them know what we're doing and remind them that we're here and a resource for them if they need it. So I yes. can see how the two can really easily, easily dovetail there. Yes. And a lot of the reason why you're hearing more about drip marketing and some of the other concepts we're talking about is not just because of the bad economy, but it's because of the proliferation of technology, where it is so easy to send an email. It's so easy to, to house intelligence that you gather on your clients. And drip marketing is one example where you're not necessarily having to get on the phone or go have a face to face visit with 45,000 season ticket holders. Yeah. I mean, you can use technology to efficiently establish relationships with clients through some kind of a marketing vehicle. So drip marketing is the first of these four copycat <laughs> type of marketing initiatives. So essentially, drip marketing is a repackaging of what we've called for years, customer relations or client relations touch point planning. Perfect. Great. Well, it makes perfect sense, but I can see how it does serve both purposes. So it's a great technology to use for that. So what, yes. what's another example we can be uh, we can be we can take a look at between the marketing and customer service world here? 
Well, uh, the next one sounds like the first one. Uh, mm-hmm. We'll see if you've heard this phrase before. Have you ever heard of the nudge marketing, Alan? No, I haven't. Nudge marketing? Nudge marketing. Wow, that's a new and, one on and, me. Yes. And, uh, well, you've heard of nudging, I assume. Yes, right. So yes, I would yes. imagine, if I just had to guess, nudge marketing is... Well, what is nudging? Nudging is, you know, you're just kind of pushing them. You're kind of just like poking yes. them a little bit, reminding them of something, yeah. kind of pushing them yes. along. So how does yeah. how does nudge marketing work then? Yeah, well, that, that that's a good definition. And there is a nuance in the difference between nudge marketing and drip marketing. Nudge marketing involves almost exclusively a call to action. So okay. whereas it, we're talking about with drip marketing, you have these touch points. Uh, you're trying to keep the relationships fresh and and build this strategic plan over time. Nudge marketing is where you're sending a very specific message, almost very, uh, almost uh, entirely specific to one study that was out, and there's a metric from this study. And based on that metric, you're trying to create kind of a wow moment with the customer, and you're trying to nudge them to a call to action, to click on this and go to the website, to purchase this, to, to read further about A, B, or C. So there's a little bit of a nuanced difference. Nudge is definitely... Uh, a very narrow focus type of communication. It is something where you're literally trying to gently push, kind of like a nudge, like you were saying, gently push the customer toward a decision, toward a call call to action. The messaging is very familiar to the customer typically. So, you know, if in the sports analogy, if you're talking about uh, sports in general, you might talk about one specific team or uh, you might talk about one specific event or, or one specific player that might pique their interest and use that as a hook to then pitch whatever your call to action or whatever you're trying to sell. It might typically ask a question or have some kind of data that compels the customer to go to that next step. And it's repetitive, similar to, to what we talked about earlier with the drip marking. Mm-hmm. Now, where the nudge marketing seems like it really repeats something that's been a part of customer service and client mm-hmm. relations for years is that if you do a really good job in client relationship development, client service, client relationship development is not just about keeping who you have or reacting to their needs. What, what is one of the key things that, that you want to try to do with your existing clients beyond just meeting their needs and trying to keep them year to year, Alan? Well, I think with, with any good client, I mean, you obviously want them to see if there's ways for them to grow in the types of services they utilize you for or explore other services or products you could be offering them. Yeah, you're exactly right. So essentially the last step in client relationship development, after you've really gotten to know them, you have these touchpoint plans, you're retaining them, is to figure out how you can grow business with them. So Mm -hmm. it's always a strong component of any kind of client relationship development plan to not only serve them and meet their needs, but if you truly care about your customer, you're going to find new goals they have, new issues, new needs, where your products and services can address those. You're helping them to have a better experience. You're helping them to have a better life or to get more value out of what they do with, with your organization if you can make these other offers or if you can help them identify their friends, their coworkers, their peers who might also need your service and therefore you're asking for referrals. So any good customer service or relationship development plan involves growing business with existing clients. The sales are easier and faster if you have a solid relationship with your customer where you know them, they know you, and there's that mutual trust. So nudge marketing, you know, it is very targeted with the messaging. It is very repetitive. It does lead to a call to action, 
But keep in mind, if you do a great job in customer service in general at getting to know your clients, growing your relationships with them, meeting their needs, one aspect of good customer service is identifying those customer needs and issues and offering that product or service to help meet those needs as well. And I would imagine uh, there's a there's a, a line to understand between coming across as just selling to the customer. Hey, you you bought product A from us, so now we want you to buy product B. Yes. What you're talking about is really more of this helping them uh, gain even more value from the service you can provide. If they are using product A and you know as their customer service representative that it makes better sense for them to also look at product B because it can further enhance what they're doing with product A and that's a good opportunity for them. We're talking to them about that. We're, we're opening yes. those doors for them. It's not, we're not talking heavy sales that we just want them to check off every single item on our product list that they can. It's yes. really trying to help them see good products and services that can continue to supplement or enhance what they're already doing, right? Yes, that's a, yeah, as a matter of fact, we were working with a bank. Now, this is probably 10, 15 years ago now, but working with a bank and we were working with our customer service reps because the bank wanted the customer service reps to actually sell Uh, different products or service, not just respond and react to the questions or issues or needs coming in, but actually to sell service. So I I was working with the staff at the bank and they had a strong hesitation to sell. To them, the the word sell was was heresy. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm a service person. I'm not a salesperson. I was hired to serve, not to sell. So what we had to do culturally in working with them is to realize you know, your goal in serving them is to help them to have a better life, to have a better experience, to maximize their financial investment. And you're actually doing a disservice. If they have a certain need, that child going to college, or, or they have a certain desire to buy that car, or they, they have a certain goal with, with their retirement funds, and you know what that issue or that need or that goal is, and you're not suggesting something to them to help them achieve it, you're actually doing a disservice. Yeah. So really... Having that kind of focus uh, culturally is very important, and, and it is part of good customer service. No, it makes perfectly good sense. I mean, you think about the number of times that you've been in a situation where you know, a client has had great success with a product or service that you've sold them, and you introduce them, or they hear about and they find out about another service, and they're actually excited to see how that can continue to help them even more, and you see yes. those outcomes. I mean... Yes, it's more dollars, it's more revenue from a financial standpoint. It is a higher, another sale on the pipeline. But for clients, so you're right. I mean, if, if we're not giving them those opportunities to better improve what we're already offering them, it could be seen as a disservice. I hadn't really thought about it that way, but you're right. That's a yes. kind of owe it to our customers to give them the opportunities, not through a hard sell, but letting them know where they have opportunities to get even more value and service out of what we're providing. All right, I like that. That's great. Right. And the more educated, yeah, the more educated we are in what they need, the more comfortable we are in recommending those products or services because we say, wow, you need this. Well, we have this particular service or this for the sake of your company. We have this new feature uh, in, in some of our technology from a survey perspective that would really help you address that need. So we're more comfortable, and more confident in offering those, the better we know our individual customers. Mm-hmm. And that actually ties in to our third initiative or our third marketing-oriented vehicle, and this is CRM. Okay. So, Alan, what is CRM? Uh, that is a customer relationship management or client relationship management 
system or software for tracking everything that a customer uses or does, contacts, interactions, all that good stuff. So it's all keeping it together in a, in a system. Yeah, you're exactly right. And and whether your organization would use Salesforce or Microsoft Dynamics or Zoho or whatever other tools, CRM tools that are out there, these tools house tremendous amounts of information that enable you to know your customer in an in-depth manner. Yes, CRM is the holy grail. It's something new. It's something wonderful. It's something that's never been done before, except when you think that maybe 40, 50 years ago, Zig Ziglar would write books and he would have you know, these four or five pages of these are all the details that you really need to know on your customers to develop relationships with them. He was saying instead of pushing a product, uh, you you really need to get at the core of what customer relations and sales are all about. You have to get to know your customer as a unique individual. You know, do they have kids or not? And and what are their interests and what are their hobbies? And, you know, where do they come from? All those sorts of things, kind of viewing them as a supplier of information. And this was these were concepts he was promoting 40, 50 years ago from a sales and service perspective. So he was basically creating a very now, early version of a CRM. That, basically a very early version of a CRM is what he was putting together. Maybe more paper-based and more notes and notebooks yes. and all, but it's the same concept as putting all this information together about a customer other than just what did they order and how much was it worth, you know. Right. Yeah. He wasn't into order taking. He was into relationship building. You know, he wasn't trying to make a sale. He was trying to make a customer. Mm-hmm. And there's a major difference there. So CRM, you know, it might be something that's been relatively new the last 15 or 20 years is getting promoted in so many different organizations. But the concepts themselves have been around for decades. How do you really develop a relationship and best serve a customer? Well, you try to get to know them. Uh, as closely as possible. You try to understand what's unique about them so you can uniquely address that particular service, that particular issue, that particular goal that they have. And this is actually part of the first relationship in knowing the client that you have, you know, viewing that customer, like I said, as a supplier of information, providing you the information you need to best serve them as well. So if that's something that, you know, we're using as customer service professionals and we've been using for quite a while. So, so the marketing side of things, you know, kind of where does marketing start to really tap into that resource as well? Or how do they, how would they use this kind of system now? Yeah, well, to some extent, they're using it to try to tailor messaging to the clients when they send those email blasts. They're Mm -hmm. not generic. It's, Dear Joe, I understand that uh, you know you are really interested in this particular type of item uh, when, when you shop with us, and we just happen to have these twelve items available. I know from my local grocery store chain, for example, I get customized coupon emails every week, and they're based on that company's knowledge of what I actually purchase. So I'm sure the emails I grocer are entirely different, entirely personalized mm-hmm. in, a, in a unique manner for my neighbor next door. So using this kind of detail, this kind of intelligence, this kind of one-on-one knowledge to market is what they're, u- is what they're doing with it. So it's taking the information. The is that, yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, I, I was just going to say, so the, the thing to keep in mind is they are actually using uh, CRM. They're promoting it as a marketing tool. Uh, which is great that they're using that uh, for marketing, but it's uh, a lot of the core concepts and principles of it uh, have been core concepts and principles of customer service, again, for decades. Yeah, it's great. So it's basically this idea of having that wealth of data and information about all your customers, 
that we can obviously use for understanding how to communicate with them and making sure we're following up with them in the way we should and getting them the information they need. But you're saying also marketing can use that same information to get more customized messages out and to really tailor messages to those individuals from a marketing perspective as well. So tapping into our database to use it for sales and marketing. So I got it. Yes. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, the fourth, Uh uh, the fourth initiative, that fourth vehicle, if we want to call it that, that has uh, in essence been co-opted by marketing and used by marketing, promoted by marketing as this new and exciting thing is customer journey mapping. So Alan, have you heard of that? Yes. Have you heard of it? If so, what is customer journey mapping? Well, I'll tell you, Mr. Gagnon, uh, I believe from reading a lot of your blog posts and getting your weekly emails uh, from your company, I know I have heard about customer journey mapping before. Um, But let me see if I get this right, because uh, this is what I envision it to be anyway, is this idea of... Uh, kind of envisioning everything a customer experiences during their encounter with your company and kind of having that really clearly mapped out, hence the mapping part, to see where they go, who they experience, what kind of experiences they have along the way, so you really can paint that full picture of that whole front-to-back experience that they have. Yes, that's excellent. Have I been paying uh, attention to your readings and blog posts uh, fairly well? You are fantastic. I'll give you an A plus for that, Alan. So, yes. Yeah, you're right. Journey mapping essentially puts the company in the customer's shoes. You're literally doing process maps, for lack of a better way to say it, um, flowcharts of how the customer basically first identifies their need or identifies your organization. It could be one or both. Uh, and to the point where they not only purchased, but maybe they bought again, or maybe they've renewed or something along those lines. Um, I mean, it could be a process where it starts with, they become aware that this need or this issue exists, or they become aware that you all have a solution for it. And then the next step is they make an inquiry or they do some research about your product or service. Then they go through an acquisition phase and then they might receive the service, receive the actual product itself. There's an evaluation point where they're forming their opinion of the experience of the product of the service. And then they're making that decision to return or not to repurchase or not. And, and each one of these major stages of this journey map, uh, there are just like you said, many different touch points with employees, you know, they're calling, they're meeting face to face they're sending emails back and forth. It's the text. It's whatever the case might be online face-to-face on the phone, and there's certain types of the experience. So what marketers do is they create these journey maps of what that customer experience looks like so they have a comprehensive view of the customer's interaction with your business so that they can be more intentional about designing the marketing approach. So they have more control over, all right, what does the customer see? If they first go to the website, what does that website need to look like to drill them to a conversion page? Or if they first call you on the phone, what is that branded experience like on the phone and how are we leading that person uh, into our shop? Or if they first see us on the billboard, uh, what are we trying to convey? What kind of brand are we trying to have? What kind of call to action do we have? And then how are we funneling that to the appropriate next step? So it seems more like a seamless movement through this journey. And they're doing this to, to basically maximize their sales opportunities. That's why they're doing a lot of this journey mapping. Well, in customer service terms, We've been talking about the phrase service system forever, where you're literally designing your organization around the customer. You start by figuring out, well, who is my customer? Mm -hmm. And then you say, what does they need? And then you say, 
what is it that they need? Then you say, what product or service do we have to meet that need or meet that want? What's the process going to be used to deliver it? What's our environment going to need to look like delivery? And then what does our culture need to look like, et cetera? So this journey mapping, it can be exciting. Again, it can be sexy from a marketing perspective. It's something that's been going on forever for organizations that are trying to design their business around the customer with their service system. So if you can imagine, I mean, if we, if marketing is using this idea of customer mapping and customer services using it too, really the idea is between these two mapping systems, we have a full lifespan of from trying to reach new customers and finding out how those new customers find out about us and experience us all the way through. They're a customer and they've been shopping with us and they buy things. And we just see that entire process mapped out so basically we've been doing the customer mapping for quite a while what you're saying is marketing has been mapping is yes. now mapping that same way everything pre them becoming a customer as far as what they see and how they interact with us right so you almost have this entire customer life cycle mapped out and when you do that you're much more intentional about how you create your business i mean think about it could be your business it could be a retailer if you were to start from scratch and redesign literally what your facility looks like, what your website looks like, what your processes look like, how your people are based on who is your target market customer mm -hmm. and what specifically do they need. It might look exactly like it does now or it might look entirely different. So that's why organizations are doing journey mapping. That's why uh, we did service system design starting 20, 30 years ago. Uh, it's because if you want your customer to have the best experience possible, something that's intuitive to them, something they enjoy, you want to design the entire experience around your customer. Yeah, that makes great, perfect sense. So, so, so far I'm hearing the four examples you gave of things that the uh, customer service world has been using that now marketing is kind of co-opting and using also for marketing purposes. This idea of drip marketing nudge marketing which is still kind of a new one for me so i'm glad I'm, I'm glad i'm i'm glad i'm participating in this podcast because i am definitely I am learning glad some to, things. Alan. absolutely uh <laughs> crm you know the customer or client relationship management and then the customer journey mapping process so these are four tools or strategies that we've been talking about for a while but it sounds like are really having some impact on marketing and sales for a company as well that's great yeah, so we could say, woe is us, marketing is co-opting some of our ideas. But what we're going to talk about after the break instead, put a more positive slant on things, Absolutely. is that this is good for the customer service components of an organization. This is good for customer service professionals as well. And we'll talk about why all of this focus on things that we've been doing for decades uh, now uh, being focused on by marketing. Why is it good for people in the world of customer service? Perfect. Sounds like a great segue. We are going to take a short break. When we come back, we'll pick up on exactly the things Ed was just describing right then. As we continue with Stepping Up Service, our topic for today, customer service is the new marketing. We will be right back with the, sh the rest of the show in just a moment. We'll get back to your show in a moment. Just a reminder, you're listening to The Mesh an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Find out more at themesh.tv and give us feedback on what you like. And now, as promised, back to your show. Hello and welcome back to Stepping Up Service here on TheMesh.TV. Again, this is Alan Jackson alongside Ed Gagnon from Customer Service Solutions. And we're finishing up on the topic we were started earlier in the episode. Customer service is the new marketing. 
Uh, we went through four examples of customer service techniques or practices that marketing uh, and sales groups within organizations have also started to use now and are finding some value in. So Ed, you know, if we've got these shared processes or things and systems that we see customer service has been using for a while and now marketing starting to use more of those, you told us before the break that you were going to explain to us how this was a good thing. So please tell me, <laughs> yes. how is this a good thing? How are we not as customer service professionals just losing out by finding marketing, taking on these things and using them to grow the business. And we kind of get left in the dust with tools that, uh, you know, are now being used for other purposes. Why is this still a good thing for us? Okay. Glad you asked that question. Alan. Right. And then I'm going to answer it from two different perspectives. Okay. Uh, the first is more of a technical perspective. The second is people. Okay. So from a more technical perspective, this is good for the customer service components of the organization. So the first point is money. Hmm. You know, or Organizations are always, and I find this with so many of my private sector clients, they are so willing to put money into TV advertising and billboards and web and CRM, et cetera, and pay those folks buco bucks, and they have all these incentives, uh, but that typically hasn't gone to customer service. Now, the good thing of money being funneled into marketing to fund all these different marketing initiatives and efforts and technology is that there are budgets that are being used that can be... Uh, leveraged by the customer service people. So if you are spending money on a CRM system, now the customer service people have access to that CRM system. If you have Mm -hmm. money being spent on websites to do marketing, there's typically a pretty strong customer service component to those websites. If money is being spent in the right way uh, through drip, drip marketing or nudge marketing, then there's probably more of a relationship being built over time as well. So the better that relationship is through a lot of those touch points, often the interactions uh, that that occur with customers are easier because there is a certain higher level of customer knowledge. There is a certain higher level of customer uh, trust and familiarity, et cetera. And and even with journey mapping, you know, we talked about journey mapping where you're literally saying, how do we design products to meet customer needs? How do we design processes and facilities to, to deliver those products? You know, if we have, these processes, these facilities, these products, uh, even some of our people and our culture more designed around the customer, that customer is going to be more comfortable, more confident. There's going to be less opportunity for frustration and anger over the little things. So if money is being spent on that technology, customer service really can utilize that technology. If that money is being spent to create certain cultures that are customer-centric or or create facilities or processes that are going to make it easy on the customer to have a great experience – then at that point, customer service is not going to be having to deal with as many frustrations or issues with the experience itself. So this is good for a lot of different components of the organization. And a lot of that, frankly, is just driven by the fact that marketing often commands money. Mm. And that money is being used for things that can positively impact customer service. I think that makes a great point because, you know, buying a television ad on the Super Bowl, for example, or any television ad really – a lot of money and from a customer service standpoint it doesn't really do anything to enhance the customer service professional's job yes it helps sales it helps marketing but it doesn't help the customer service so what you're saying is where organizations are spending more money on things like crms or more drip marketing strategies or uh you know kind of this journey mapping those are all tools that we as customer service professionals can now take better advantage of so we're actually getting kind of the benefit of the money being spent on those marketing tools now. 
Yeah, exactly. When, when the organizations invest on their infrastructure, especially in this age where technology is a lot of that infrastructure, uh, customer experience is becoming more and more important uh, in sales and marketing efforts. Brand is becoming more important. Customer from that infrastructure spending. You're right. You know, oftentimes that advertising on TV during the Super Bowl that can actually hurt customer service because sometimes mm-hmm. that experience or that product is presenting something that's unrealistic, and now customer <laughs> service is being put in a point where they're having to respond to our customers. I thought I was going to look entirely cool in this Yugo that you advertised <laughs> on TV. You were wrong. People laugh at me when I drive around in my Yugo. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, it's a very different world with advertising than the benefits customer service gets from more infrastructure investments. Well, I think from that standpoint, too, we look at some of the studies that they're doing about marketing and advertising cost. I think people are realizing companies are realizing that there's a lot of money has been spent on advertising, true outward, just traditional advertising. But we're seeing a lot of organizations shift those dollars towards more relationship cultivating processes, which is great for us because that means the stronger that relationship gets with a potential customer, it makes it that much easier for us to continue having a great relationship with them from a customer service standpoint. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, That's exactly Mm right. Now, now speaking of us, speaking of customer service professionals, now believe it or not, all this focus and co-opting from marketing is good for us. Um, You know, just to give you an example uh, when we're dealing with customers uh, nowadays versus 20 years ago, the average person in customer service is dealing with clients with higher level needs, higher level issues. I, I think I might have told a story on a podcast about this uh, several years ago where maybe about 10, 15 years ago, uh, Charles Schwab mm-hmm. launched this this new website um, it was a, a website that was really focused on educating their consumers since a lot of Schwab transactions can be done by the consumer themselves. And when they did this in preparation for it, they laid off uh, something like two thirds of their customer service support staff and call centers and contact centers because we, they thought, wow, they're getting all this information online, so they won't need to contact us for customer service. Well, what happened was the calls were coming in. But they were more in-depth calls because the Schwab clients at that point were much more knowledgeable, had much more complex questions and issues and needs that they were trying to get addressed. And therefore, Schwab had to hire all these people back. So Mm. one thing that's positive is that you're really looking at uh, customer service people who are going to be invested in for more professional development Mm -hmm. because the level, the, the higher level of information and needs and requests are coming in now. Whereas the lower level needs and requests are handled by those FAQs on the website or by basic instructions. You know, other ways that that the individual customer service professional can benefit because of CRM, for example, they have a lot more detail on what happened uh, in other interactions with your business. Yeah. So I may never have met you, Alan, and you're calling me up, but I know you've had 20 different interactions or 20 different purchases over the last two years. I can look at all of that and I can be much more educated and personalized in my encounter with you. So those are just two of a couple ways. I'll go into a couple others. But any initial thoughts with that Schwab example, any initial thoughts when you think about access to all the information across yeah. the organization that are now in the hands of the customer service pro? Absolutely. I see the, I see the immediate benefit for a professional like in fields like ours. Uh, you know, If I want to know if a customer of mine received an email marketing a marketing email but an email nonetheless that might have conveyed some really important information it's it, it makes us sound like we're so much more together 
when we yes. can say to a client, well, I know we sent you this packet or I know we sent you this email about this other service just to let you know I'm here if you need me to want to talk further about that. Uh, as opposed to us saying, well, uh, we'd love to send you a, a packet about this. And they say, well, I already got one a week ago. It was sent to me in the mail. And that's, that's a disconnect that makes you look like you don't really yes. know their communications with the client. So yes. having all that information in one place, I, I, I see the immediate value. We as an organization have kind of standardized on one particular CRM that we're using for both sales and marketing and customer service. And it is great to know that what our sales team is sending out, we can reference that and we can really show the client that we're a unified company as opposed to two different departments in the same organization. So. Yeah, and, and you've really hit on one of my last two points uh, that, that's uh, great for the, the customer service professional is that a lot of these systems, a lot of this infrastructure really forces sharing of information internally across silos. Oh, yeah. So it makes the company look better. It doesn't put the customer in, or excuse me, the employees, the customer service professional in the position of looking uninformed mm -hmm. or, or looking like an idiot because they don't know what's going on with this customer. Uh, the information is in the system. The information is readily available if the systems are used appropriately and it makes the company look more professional. It creates less frustration for the customer. So they're not having to repeat the same issue over and over again. There is a lot of benefit to the customer service professional in that, that sense on the part of the customer that, yeah, this company I'm dealing with knows what they're doing. They talk internally uh, and I don't have to deal with uh, the the issue of having to restate the same need, same concern over and over again to different people in the same company. Breaking down those silos, uh, at least the perception of that, really puts the customer service pro in a better place. It, it, it's also something I could see this too, and I haven't really had an opportunity to dig deeper into this, but I could think I could see this being an advantage. If you know all of the marketing messages that your current client received early on in the process. Yes. Maybe helping you understand as a customer service professional, what were some of the marketing messages that maybe they responded to more passionately? And that might help drive or gain you a little bit more insight as to what was it that really sold them on your service. You know, right. if, there, if there are four postcards that go out in a year and we've got that logged in the marketing system in, in the CRM and we know which four postcards went out, out. But yet we see that they received postcard three and that's when we got a phone call from them to talk about the service. Okay, maybe we explore postcard number three and see what were some of the messages and how can that help make sure we really know that customer and what their drive or their drivers are for satisfaction. So mm -hmm. it's some good research you can actually perform on your own clients too as well. Yeah, that, that, that's an excellent point. And just knowing what triggers they're clicking on an ad, uh, knowing what triggers them going to your website, knowing why they navigate page to page. It, again, it's more information, more information, more information. The more the customer service rep knows that's unique about this individual, the more they can uniquely address them or personally address them and more specifically meet their needs. So that, that's a great point. And that actually ties into my last point. And okay. I, I remember this is Maybe 15, 20 years ago, I was watching one of those uh, weekday morning shows, the Today Show or mm -hmm. whatever the case might be, and they were interviewing Jack Welch, and the economy was going through a tough time, and the reporter was asking uh, or talking to Jack Welch about the fact that people don't stay at the same company 30, 40 years uh, like they used to. There's not that kind of company loyalty or employee loyalty, and and so th this reporter was lamenting, especially since the economy was challenged at the time uh, what today guarantees job security? And Jack mm -hmm. Welch said only satisfied customers guarantee 
job security. And to your point, Alan, the more the organization is communicating and sharing information about that customer, the more that we can understand them uniquely and personally, the more that what marketing brings in, what sales brings in, is able to be accessed and utilized by customer service, the more all these groups are communicating together about the common customer, the better chance that they have that the customer is going to be satisfied, the better that this uh, journey of the customer is mapped out and the service system is developed around the customer, the better chance that that customer is going to be satisfied. So the last benefit to the customer service professional is that you'll have more satisfied customers if all this is done right and you have a better chance at a little bit of job security. Got to love that. I mean, I can't, I can't see a greater benefit (laughs) to a lot of professionals than saying, you know what, this will make your job better. This will make your job more secure. This will make your clients happy. I mean, that's a, that's what you want to hear. That's music to your ears. So, so it does sound like from this whole conversation, yes, marketing is starting to use a lot of the practices, tools, services that we as customer service professionals have used for a number of years. But this is a good thing because yes. by them and using this, there's actually a direct benefit to us and to our customers in the way we serve them by kind of marrying these two processes together in some of these key places. Yeah, you're exactly right. So whether it's CRM systems or drip marketing or journey mapping, whatever the case might be, you know, don't necessarily push back or or, or resent the fact that we've been doing things similar to this. Just be happy that that a lot of these other areas of our organizations are really latching onto those things we've known forever. They're buying into it and they're spending money on it, which long term will benefit us, benefit the customer, benefit the organization. All right. That sounds great. So, Ed, thank you so much for that topic and kind of helping me understand the connection there. Uh, I knew there was going to be some form of connection, but you really crystallized it a lot for me to understand the direct impact one of the each of these groups have on one another. So really, really cool. Now, we do cap off our episode every time we get together with a customer service story of the month. So an experience you and I each individually have had in the last 30 days or so since we last talked that we want to share. And we feel like these are good stories to tell because we as human beings, we learn a lot through stories. We hear stories. We learn the good. We learn the bad. It's it's a great way of relating to kind of an educational process. So we're going to share our stories now, just like we do at the end of every episode. Ed, you've been kind of doing a lot of the talking last little bit. So how about I'll go ahead and go and then you can, you can, uh, you can bring us home at the end with your story. So, so my story is a, uh, is a very interesting one. Um, Got to give just a quick little bit of background. So my father, who was the founder of our company that we had, a family company for about 40, 41 years. It's a company that, you know, we have uh, kind of combined forces with another company. And my family is kind of uh, pursuing some different interests, kind of spreading out and getting involved in some other things. It's, it's all been really good as we're, we're growing our businesses here. And so my father was always the one that really kind of set the model for what our company was like for so many years. And now that he's not as active in that company and he's doing some of more of his own independent work, uh, we as a family want to do something to kind of help uh, help recognize all the efforts he's been doing and in uh, all of everything he's done for us as a family and as kind of a leader of our family business for so long. He has always wanted a uh, a bobblehead made of himself. Oh, how about that? That has always been his dream. Now I am recording. Okay, as we're recording this today, I don't have the bobblehead yet. It should be here in the next day or so, and then we're giving it to him this weekend. 
So yeah. I know for a fact that as we're recording this today, this episode will not go live for a few more days. So it should miss perfectly in case he happens to listen to this. He will actually hear it after he would receive this gift. So anyway, so that was my charge a couple months ago. I was like, all right, how do I get a bobblehead made of somebody? And first thing I do, of course, Google search. I want to find some firms that do this as a profession. And oh my gosh, there are so many of these online companies. That that's what they do. Really? Oh yeah, they may just make bobbleheads. I found at least six or seven. Wow. That, that's what they do. You send them all the photographs of your person, all different angles of photographs. They put together a draft and you, know, and you kind of work with them and then they send you the final model. Now, my thing is I am an online shopper, Ed. I have no problem going on Amazon and I will buy things left and right and have no concerns about it. But it, I get really nervous when I'm shopping online site from a company I don't know, especially one that doesn't have like a national reputation. Okay. Yes. So I've, I'm researching all these bobblehead companies. I'm trying to figure out, you know, which one can I trust the most? I mean, all of them say 100% satisfaction. All of them say, hey, here's some examples of ones we've done for people. And they all look good. They all look very similar. But I'm really trying to figure out who I'm going to work with on this. So I find the company that I feel like, you know what, this, I feel like this is probably going to be my best bet. They just seem to have their act together from their website a little bit more than others. The pricing is very easy to understand. The quality of the models I'm seeing from other ones they've done look really good. So I'm like, great. Well, I'm going to go ahead and move forward with these guys. And, you know, but I'm still nervous because it's like I'm still working with I don't know where these people are. I don't know anything about this company. I can't ask a friend of mine down the street or here in town if if they know anything about this company because nobody does. And then I also find out that some of their offices are located way, way overseas. This is after I'd already placed the order. So I'm a little nervous now because we've got actually a hard deadline for getting this done. We want to have this at a certain time. I got to tell you though, Ed, and I mean, and this has just got to be a good lesson for anybody who's running a completely online business for something like this. Not only did, you know, within 24 hours of me placing the order, I had somebody reaching out to me to answer any questions I had about the process, told me exactly what to expect. Like by this date, you're going to have a draft to review and we're going to walk you through the process and we're going to make sure you have everything done in time and to your satisfaction. And they kept saying at any point, at any point you need us to make changes, just tell us and we will do it before we get finalized on this thing. And sure enough, I got an email from them about every other day walking me through the next step. It's like, okay, Mr. Wow. Jackson, here is a photograph of the draft we've made of the head. Can you give us some feedback? Tell us what you like or don't like or what we can do to adjust it. So I was able to take that and forward it out to all my family members and say, hey, give us some, some updates or ideas. I funneled those together and I sent them all to this person said, here you go. Here's a list of notes. Two days later, I got another email. Thank you for all your notes. We've incorporated all your changes. Here's another draft. Can we get your sign off on this or any further changes? So it's like they were just constantly, this is the whole process worked this way. I got emails every step of the way. I know exactly what this thing looks like before I've even laid eyes on it now in person. I've seen it from all angles. I've seen it updated every step of the way. And what's fascinating, and this really ties into kind of the CRM and some of these other systems we're talking about, what I noticed is that almost every person that sent me an email was a different person at the organization because they're calling me at different times of the day or writing me at different times of the day. So I noticed the name was always different at the bottom of the email, but yet everything was consistent in all the messaging and they knew exactly what step they were on. So it didn't even faze me that I was talking to probably six different people during this whole process. 
they just had it together. So I think they had a really great system for tracking this. I think they had a really great mechanism for keeping everything in place. So I just, uh, you know, I was really, really surprised and happy uh, with the process in general. And especially knowing that I'm, it's a very unique, niche type of thing. It's not yeah. something I can get through Amazon or through any other big retailer online. And it's also a very personal thing. I mean, this thing has to look like my father. <laughs> so, you know, I'm working both with artists and reps, and they're kind of bridging that whole gap for me. I got to tell you, I was just really happy with the process, and they were just super pleasant and easy to work with. So uh, it has been great. And I know you're probably going to ask the question, like, what is the company? Uh, because I should be able to give them a plug. And, of course, I don't have that pulled up, but I am pulling it up as I'm talking right now because – it is something where I do want to give these guys a little kudos for what they're doing. Uh, so the name of the company, if you search for it, is AmazingBobbleheads.com. And uh, if you're in the market to get a bobblehead made of somebody, you want a custom bobblehead made, this company is AmazingBobbleheads.com. You go, you fill out their forms, you submit their photos, and then they connect you up and walk you through that process top to bottom. It was a really great experience. So that's that's my positive story for the month. Well, that's an awesome story. I, I don't know how I'm going to follow up a bobblehead story with one on health insurance. <laughs> oh boy! But you <laughs> <laughs> oh, did ought to just end with yours. I don't know. <laughs> but you did say it was a positive story about health yeah, insurance, yeah. right? That's phenomenal. We'll that's great. That. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. It was a good experience. Yeah. Yeah, and I actually was going to ask you, what's the name of the company? So you read my mind there. That's great, Alan. Amazingbobbleheads.com. Yep, absolutely. Yep. Well, Ed, what's your story? Well, my story is a positive one about health insurance, believe it or not. Um, my wife and I met with a health insurance agent. It's that time of year, and uh, our plan was canceled with our previous insurer for next year. This year's plan was canceled, so we needed a new plan, and we needed a new company. Uh, to insure us as well, since they were out of our market entirely for next year. So we went back to our previous insurance agent who we had only met with uh, or had recently met with, I guess, about two years ago. So he met with us again, warmed up with us. He explained our options. He was very patient with all of our questions. Uh, and then after the meeting, he immediately emailed the main options we were considering for our health insurance for 2017 so that we could review them. Uh, now, prior to that, he had ended the meeting with being very clear on what the next steps were and what the time frames were when we needed to get things done. So it was all handled very well. Mm -hmm. Now, this was a good experience, very good overall. Um, but the reason why I'm actually highlighting it is that one of the three approaches that we can take to our health insurance uh, next year mm -hmm. through his insurance provider is actually comparatively expensive. Mm -hmm. um, so that is an option. Um, we didn't know that it was comparatively expensive. We knew it was expensive. That's pretty obvious. But we didn't know compared to something similar from other companies uh, that it was relatively expensive. So he didn't have to tell us that, but he did. Uh, and he said that if we go with that option, you know, we decide that one out of those three options, we might actually be able to get that same option or want something or something very similar to it from other providers because we could get about the same coverage for a lower premium. Okay. So this was somebody who was selling us, serving us, uh, and he was actually saying, hey, if you go with uh, option C for your insurance, you can actually save money if you go with a different company. And I thought something very rare nowadays where somebody is looking out for your best interest and saying, you know, yes, it is. Uh, these are services we can provide, but uh, I just know from my own experience as a health insurance professional, if that's when you're going to land on, 
uh, you may want to shop around a little bit so you can save yourself some dollars. So that's a positive story. Somebody actually uh, being open enough with us to suggest we go to a competitor uh, based on what option we select. Wow. And that's very unique, not just for health insurance, but for any kind of vendor. I mean, it's like uh, – it's like going up to McDonald's and you say you want a certain type of chicken sandwich. They say, well, if you want that kind of chicken sandwich, you really should go down the street <laughs> to uh, Chick-fil-A. That's yeah. a better fit for you. Yeah. I mean, that's just not something common to do. But, I mean, it just shows that he's more interested in a service for you and getting you the best situation than necessarily just padding his own commission or whatever he gets from it. So that's, that's really surprising and very encouraging to see that there's uh, professionals out there acting that way. And that's always, always very, really good to see. Right. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So good, good, good points. And thanks again for the bobblehead story in the website. I might have to tap into that. <laughs> yeah, I do encourage anybody who wants one. Hopefully you'll have just as good experience as I did walking through the process. Uh, it, granted, it's an all email dialogue, but for it being all email, it worked out great. So that's a, two good stories for you to take, kind of take some lessons away. Again, we feel like stories are a great way to reinforce some of the things we talk about in our shows. So we hope these stories can be ones that maybe you share with other people or talk up. Or if you've got your own customer service story you'd like to share with us, and maybe in the future we may decide to just start reading some of the ones we receive from listeners. That would actually be a lot of fun too. I encourage you to send that to us. There's a form on themesh.tv website. That's the website where our podcast is located and can be found. On that contact form, if you just fill out the contact form page and uh, let them let us know that it's a uh, story for stepping up service, we will make sure it gets to us. And that may be something we consider being able to read if we have time to do so in the future. So Ed, great, great discussion today. Thanks so much, not only on the topic of customer services, the new marketing, but also in sharing your story with us this month as well. If you're interested in following Ed or his company and finding out what they're doing to help organizations improve the customer service culture that they provide and share, I do encourage you to visit their website. That is CSSAmerica.com. On that website, you'll have an opportunity to sign up for their email newsletter, a lot of blog posts you can read, a lot of articles to link to. And of course, if you see a need to contact the company and talk to them about ways that they may be able to help you out with your organization and in elevating the level of customer service you provide, uh, that's a great route to go. Uh, my name is Alan Jackson with Biveris, and you can learn more about us at Biveris.com, where we talk about customer, patient, employee satisfaction and engagement surveying and innovative ways we're helping organizations primarily in the healthcare field, but also working with a few others as well. But uh, in the healthcare market, working with them on engaging uh, satisfaction from their different constituents. And, of course, Stepping Up Service, you can learn more about us at themesh.tv. Go up to the Shows menu and pull down for Stepping Up Service. You can see uh, links and players for all of our past episodes. Go back and check those out and uh, find some old topics and help share them around. We'd greatly appreciate it. Ed, that should wrap us up for today. Thanks so so much for your time, as always. Yeah, appreciate it. Enjoy it, Alan. All right. Everybody, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. Take care. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. 
Check us out online at TheMesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.